0: So today is what we refer to as Good Shepherd Sunday. And every year we have Good Shepherd Sunday. It's the Sunday where we look at all of this, this theme throughout the whole of scripture, the Hebrew scriptures and the New Testament and the epistles where we, we see this imagery of sheep and shepherds and we look at this. And this year, what is standing out to me is that two things. One, of course, we are sheep, and God is our shepherd. That's one thing, obviously, of course. And secondly, and also true, is that we are shepherds too, that you and I are invited to co-labor, to be under shepherds of the good shepherd. So to just get this thinking in our mind as we think about this this morning, I want you to consider two pieces of art. The first one is our stained glass, Obviously, this is a picture of Jesus as the good shepherd and we as his sheep. We're the sheep, he's the shepherd. Okay, now consider this piece of art. This is a picture in art of you and I being invited to be shepherds alongside the good shepherd. And that's not just for pastors. You can be a shepherd as you shepherd your child's heart. You can be a shepherd in your school. Anytime you love as you have been loved, anytime you create space for others as God has created space for you, you are coming alongside and being a shepherd under the good shepherd and alongside and with the good shepherd. There, there are all these times in the Gospels where the disciples are with Jesus and you often hear of the crowds. We read about the crowds in the Gospels, the crowds of people. And the disciples seem to kind of get irritated with the crowds. They're a little um, fed up with the crowds a lot of times. But the scriptures say that Jesus had compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what's interesting to me about that is that the disciples had already begun to participate in Jesus's ministry at that point alongside him, not only as sheep themselves of him, the good shepherd, but also as under shepherds with Christ, shepherding others. And yet, there is something that they don't have yet that he has. And that's the heart of a shepherd. So they're they're serving alongside, they're doing ministry with Christ with these crowds and yet they haven't really caught the heart of God for the crowds. Jesus sees the crowds differently than the disciples see the crowds. Jesus sees them as sheep scattered without a shepherd. And it says that Jesus has compassion for the people. And that's the invitation really to every single one of us, not just to be gathered as sheep by the good shepherd, but to become like the good shepherd in that we are doing for others, what he has done for us. That's the transformation that is the invitation. That's the transformation that's intended for our lives in Christ. And, and yet, it takes time, right? It takes time to become like the shepherd. It takes time to, to come to have the heart of God and the mindset of Christ and the mindset of the Spirit. It takes time. It takes a lifetime, in the, in the Gospels, you'll see where, you know, the disciples are, they're going on mission with Jesus and they're coming back and, and they're wanting to talk about what they did. And it seems Jesus is seeing the needs of the people. They're beginning to share in his work, but they don't yet have his heart. They don't yet see things as he sees things. They are not yet moved in the same way that he is moved by the same things he is moved by. And at the end of the day, That really is the truth about each one of us. It really is the truth about each one of us. It tells us the truth about ourselves. Like what comes into your heart and what comes into my heart when we see those who are without God, that is really what tells the truth About ourselves. There's this very famous line we've quoted around here before, and and I do love it. It's it's A.W. Tozer saying that, you know, the most important thing about a person is what they think of when they think of God. And certainly we could talk about the ways in which that is true, but like in this context with the disciples and Jesus and thinking about how Jesus sees the crowds, thinking about how the disciples were not, in a way, it doesn't matter what they think about God. In this context, it doesn't really matter what I think about God. What matters is what comes into my heart when I think about people who don't know God. Because if I think super glowingly about God, but I don't respond as God responds, then it's like I am like Paul in First Corinthians thirteen. I am I'm a gonging, you know, clanging symbol gonging, a sounding gong, a clanging cymbal, right? A person without love. Having the right idea about God and not having the character of God shaping the way I feel about my enemies, shaping the way I feel about those who mistreat me, shaping the way I think and feel for those who seem to be lost, That is basically the definition of being a hypocrite. That is to be somebody who's like, has the form of godliness, but not the power of it, not the spirit of Christ. Now, the most important, not the most important, but the, the most famous passage about sheep and shepherds is what Tim just read, Psalm 23. And it seems like Psalm 23 is almost like a pattern of what it means to be a sheep of the good shepherd who becomes a shepherd alongside the good shepherd. So the psalm, Psalm 23, is almost like narrating for us a a pattern of transformation from sheep into shepherds, from sheep under the care of the good shepherd to shepherds alongside the good shepherd, with the good shepherd. It is It is like a pattern for us of, you could say it like this, like what sanctification looks like, what growing in love looks like, what transformation looks like. So let's just look at this together and look at the transformation of being a sheep of the shepherd to being shepherds alongside the good shepherd. So, okay, Psalm 23 starts off like this. It starts off, notice, in the third person. So we're talking here, the psalmist is talking about God. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. When we talk about God, there are so many different ways we can hear the resonance in the words of scripture. So, for example, when we say, The Lord is my shepherd. On one hand, that can be deeply true. That can be kind of like a confession of your intimacy with the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Or, the Lord is my shepherd can be deeply untrue. If in saying it, what you mean is, the Lord is mine and not yours. The Lord is for me. And not for you. Abraham Heschel, who, a rabbi who worked with Martin Luther King Jr. during the Civil Rights Movement, he, he wrote several books. And he gave a speech during the Civil Rights Movement about the evil of racism. And about how racism is idolatry. And one of the famous lines in that speech is this. He said, an idol he's talking about racism is idolatry he says an idol is a god who is mine and not yours an idol is a god who is mine and not yours any god who is mine but not yours any god concerned with me but not with you is an idol so in the opening verses of this beloved psalm, I was just at a funeral yesterday and the psalm was read. We love these words. In the beginning of this beloved psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. If you mean God is intimate with you, yes. That is well and that is good. But if you mean like God is my property, God is my possession, God is mine and not yours, then that, is idolatry. It kind of depends on how you hear the resonance. The psalm goes on to say, right, he makes me lie down in green pastures. And again, this can be true, or we can be suggesting that, like, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He is so very useful to me. He takes me to these green pastures. Um, I love him. God because he gives me what I want. He gives me green pastures. Like, if I worship this God, um, I worship him because he always comes through for me. So when you step back and you just, like, look at the whole story of Scripture, the story of Scripture over and over and over again is God is not useful in that way. Like, idols are useful because, you know, if you worship the idol of war— or the god of war, that god is going to help you win your battles. Or if you're worshiping the god of the harvest, then that god is, is that idol, god, is going to bring you rain when you need it. But the, the god of the scriptures is god whether the rain falls when needed or not. And so you have these stories like, like that one in um, where the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, And what do they say to the king? They're like, listen, king, throw us into the fire. Our God is able to deliver us, but even if he does not, we're not going to bow. Our God is God, whether he comes through for us in this useful way or not. So then you have like in Hebrews 11, you have this whole litany of all these people, these people of faith. And what is said about them, I mean, some of them receive their children back or some of them see the dead raised. Some of them um, win their battles, but many of them do not. They are defeated. They don't win the battle. They do die. And yet what is highlighted in that passage of Scripture is that there is an intimacy and there is a confidence in God even when and despite what happens to them. So it kind of depends on the resonance, how we hear it, how we say it. Okay, so that's kind of verses 1 through 3. You've got this, this sense um, in which we're talking about God. And when we're talking about God, um, it, it can be heard differently. Okay, now in verse 4, it's interesting because there's like a turn that takes place right here. So the psalmist moves from third person talking about God to second person talking to God. This is a turn in the psalm. I think this is also um, showing a pattern that is a turn in our journeys of faith where we move from talking about God to talking to God. So the psalmist says, Even though I walk through the valley, darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So notice what's happening, right? We're shifting from third person to second person. Like, you are with me. And this is where that... um, spiraling deeper in love is happening, where this transformation, this sanctification into holiness, into, um, into love deepens in our lives. Is where we shift from talking about God to, to talking with God in the midst of our troubles. Um, it's almost like the psalmist is like, I was saying all this stuff about God, how God leads me and God leads me in right paths, and then I find myself in turmoil, in chaos, in trouble, in the valley of the shadow of death. I find myself in confusion, confusion, and then I start talking to God. You are with me. So there's this shift that is happening. And if we read verses the first three verses of this psalm kind of naively, then we might assume like, Well, God leads us in right paths, and then we'll never be in the valley. But what the psalmist is showing and saying is, God is the God of the valley, for you are with me. And if we are going to become sheep, who are also shepherds, and who have the heart of the good shepherd increasingly, there has to be a time in our lives where we transition from talking about God to talking to God honestly in the midst of our trouble. I mean this is the, the pattern of transformation. Remember in the book of Job, you know, at the end of Job is, you know, guy goes through all this trouble. And at the end God says to the friends, you talked about me, God, or Job talked to me. And it wasn't that what, it wasn't like God was saying what Job said was so accurate, accurate theologically or something. Most of what Job is saying is like accusation and complaint, and, but, but God is saying, he talked to me. So... This is that transition, and, and then we've got this part here uh, in the psalm about your rod and your staff, and I don't know about you, but I, I think a lot of times the way that this part gets taught is sort of like, this is where you're punished by God. Uh, the rod and the staff is where God is angry with you and uh, puts you in line, uh, punishes you in some way, but really the core idea here is that the rod and the staff is what are used to protect The sheep from the lion and the bear. So it's this idea that God is set against everything that will destroy me. God is not set against me. God is not set against you, but against those things that will destroy you, will destroy me. So God is not angry with you because of your sin. It's like God is angry with sin because he loves you. So when you're thinking about the rod and the staff, you don't have to think like, you know, stick hitting your hand like, you know, a school child or something, because you're not the lion, you're not the bear. And even when shame and sin hold us back from being all that God would intend for us to be, God is the one who can separate, like, The sheep from the lion, in a way that doesn't destroy the sheep in the process, doesn't destroy you and I in that process. So I think one of the reasons that this is very important is because if I see God as um, out to punish, if I see God as angry towards me as a sheep, then when I become a shepherd, how am I going to be? How are you going to be? If you see God as angry with you, punishing your bad behavior, then when you become a shepherd, you are going to start to treat the sheep, whoever in your life is that, the same way. And now it's like your rod and your staff are used against the very people that you ought to be protecting and loving as God has loved you. So if your image of God is that he's like out to control your behavior— then when you step into responsibility, you'll think, oh, my job is to control other people's behavior. And that's just, that's not the heart of the good shepherd. So there's this uh, time where the disciples are with Jesus and they're, they're going from town to town. They, they go through this town and, and the people in the town totally reject the message. They do not accept their message. And the disciples say to Jesus, hey, Jesus, you want us to call down fire on these people? That's what they're thinking. But that's not the heart of the good shepherd. That's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus is like, no, actually, I'm going to go lay down my life. I'm actually going to serve. I'm actually going to die for. And they still just didn't understand the heart of the good shepherd. Because my responsibility is not ever to forcibly right, bring others in line with some good behavior. I mean, goodness, God doesn't do that with us, right? So the next part of the, the psalm is, is where we're seeing this. Uh, he prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. And in, a, in just a moment, we're going to come to the table. And this every week is the centerpiece of our gathering. And we only ever come to the table in the presence of our enemies. So maybe not your enemies right in this room, perhaps, but maybe you're going to go home to some enemies or neighbors who are enemies or in the city or in the world, and God only ever prepares a table in the presence of our enemies. Because what we're doing when we come to the table is we're remembering that Jesus came to die to reconcile all things, to tear down the dividing walls of hostility. And so we come to this table. This is the heart of God, the good shepherd, preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies. And it's not just so that you can eat with your enemies. There's also this sense in which God's preparing a table in the presence of your enemies, not just so you can eat with them, but so that you can serve them as they eat. That's the transition from sheep to shepherd. It's not just that you're coming to dine. It's also that you're coming alongside with Jesus to serve your enemies as they eat. And notice just like in the course of the psalm, just the very big shift that is happening. I mean, we started out, we're talking about shepherd. And sheep, so we're talking about human and animal, and now we've gone from shepherd and sheep, a human and an animal, to human beings being drawn together in the same space around this table, and this is the work that God is is working in us over time—that He's drawing us, uh, you know. You could say it like almost into a sort of equality. Now, I know a lot of times we'll focus on like, well, God is God and we are not. And of course, yes, that is true. But that actually does not seem to be the emphasis of Jesus, interestingly. Because when we say like God is God and we are not, often we say it in a way that it's almost like a slaveholder's mentality. I don't know if you pick up on that. But almost like my job is to work for God, and if I don't do that well, then God is going to be angry with me, and God is going to punish me. It's like a slaveholder's mentality. And God's mentality is not that of slave and master. That is not it. God's mentality to you and to I is as friend, co heir, adopted child, Everything I have is already yours. I no longer, Jesus says, I no longer call you servants but friends. So it's like this progression towards being transformed deeper, ever deeper in love. It's part of this pattern of transformation that we're moving in our relationship with God, seeing ourselves not just as, um, you know, the fundamentally shepherd sheep only, But also, as friends, as family, as co-heirs, that that's the heart of God towards you and I, that everything I have is already yours. So it basically is, we're learning then to operate in our relationship with God that way, and then we are turning around to those that we shepherd with that same mindset, so not treating others as sheep with this hierarchy, but as friends, but as guests of a table where a host is serving. It's like if I ever treat someone with less, re- less respect than God has shown to me, with less patience than God has given me, I am not drawing them to Jesus, I am driving them away. If I ever treat anyone with less respect than God is given to me, than God has shown to me with less kindness, I am not drawing, no matter what that person's theology or philosophy or life or brokenness, I am not drawing them to Jesus. I am driving them away. I have to approach people from the place of compassion that Jesus had for the crowds To learn to shepherd as I have been shepherded. And then, you know, lastly in the psalm, it's like, you anoint my head with oil. And again, it's just like this pattern of transformation. Like, you've gone from sheep to sitting at a table, guest and host, to now anointed one. I mean... The name Christ means anointed one, so now the anointed one is anointing you. We've gone from sheep and shepherd, guest and host, co-heirs like a coronation. From, from sheep in a pasture to table and guest to, to basically kings and queens... With him you anoint my head with oil. And in a way, you think about that last, um, at the end of Jesus' life, Peter, when Jesus is washing feet. And Peter's like, no, 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 no. I'm the disciple, and and you're the master, and, and you cannot wash my feet. He did not yet understand. Like, you think of Jesus in just the totally um, fully God, fully human nature of Jesus that he is he's not jealous of his disciples. He's jealous for them, but he's not jealous of them, right? Like his authority and that dynamic is not like I need to be and you need to be. And that's where Peter's mind is. You can't wash my feet. Like you're the Lord, I'm the disciple. We got to keep it like this. And Jesus is like, no, 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 he's flipping it. Upside down. And Peter can't get that. He can't understand that. And often in our journey, right, we can't either. That actually, like the authority of Jesus is made most manifest in someone who is rising with him as a co heir, as a co laborer, alongside him as a picture, like the picture of friend. That is actually when the glory of God is made most manifest and that's what's happening in this psalm so we started in the third person then the second person and then we end in the first person surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever so now we're not talking anymore about like what God means to me we're talking actually about like what my life can mean for others And as we grow in Christ, this is like the conversions (laughs) that we're invited into. It's like the first conversion has to be to God, to love God. The Lord is my shepherd. And at that phase, we're talking a lot about God. But that isn't enough because it is possible to love God and hate yourself. It is possible to love God and hate your neighbor. But if you keep loving God and if you learn to love God as God loves you, then what happens is your life will overflow with the same sort of goodness and mercy and love that his life overflows with. So the hope of Psalm 23 is not just the Lord is your shepherd, but that you are meant to be a shepherd too. And that, as hard as that may be, as long as that may take, Jesus will keep shepherding you and I, keep shepherding us until what is happening in my life and what is happening in your life is nothing less than what's happening in his life. And then, whenever, like, then kind of the vision is like wherever you are, wherever you are. You're at home, you're at school, you're at a restaurant, you're here at church, you're in your neighborhood, you're at your job, you're at the board meeting. Goodness and mercy will follow you, and you're going to dwell in the house of the Lord, not as a slave, not as a servant, not as one who's like running around working while everybody else is feasting. You will dwell in the house of the Lord with the Lord as his friend. And partner and co-heir you will not only be a sheep but also a shepherd let's pray together as we close Lord Jesus we thank you for this beloved passage of Scripture and we thank you more for your presence in our lives always drawing us deeper Always drawing us in kindness. Would you help us know what it means to follow you in whatever we're facing in life? We pause this morning and we breathe in your goodness as so we breathe out all fear. And we thank you, thank you, thank you that it is your kindness that leads us to repentance, that it is your kindness that shines a light on all the idols that we have looked to. And we pray, God, that you would show us what it means to trust you as we come to the table now. In Jesus' name, amen.